lonely Steelers fan laments, where have all the Yenzers gone? Welcome to the Steelers update from Penn Live, where we keep track of all things Steelers so you don't have to. This is John Lucy reporting. Hey, this one is a tough one, guys. It's even really difficult to describe. I've been going to Steelers games since the 1980s. I've been a season ticket holder for 30 years. In my family, the football tradition runs deep. As Mean Joe Green once said, on Sunday afternoons in the fall, the place to be in Pittsburgh is at a Steelers game. And I was there this past Sunday as the Steelers faced the Browns at Heinz Field. But this game was unlike any I've ever attended. Different because the Pittsburgh pro football tradition was never just about the pigskin. It was about the community of fans that would come to be known as Steelers Nation. It was the connection between town, team, and stadium section mates that became strong as steel. It was the communion of excitement, shared experience, and common purpose that brought together that cacophony of raised voices into the chant of that same familiar refrain. Here we go, Steelers, here we go. But on Sunday, as the Steelers renewed their turnpike rivalry with the hated Cleveland Browns, normally one of the emotional high points of the season, there was no we. The bulk of Steelers nation was missing barred from attending due to the coronavirus pandemic. The announced attendance in Pittsburgh was a paltry 5,260 fans. That number appeared even more anemic to the naked eye because it was spread out in this state-of-the-art stadium that holds more than 68,000. Quite simply, I've never seen anything like it. And you haven't either which is why I'm sharing a sampling of my personal game day photos in my exclusive Pen Live column out first thing Thursday morning. There'll also be a slideshow video, so be sure to check it out. And perhaps you, like me, will be dumbstruck. Dumbstruck by the surreal scene of just a smattering of Steelers fans in that ocean of yellow seats at Heinz Field. My disbelieving eye kept wandering away from the action on the field, and there was plenty of great action on the field, which we will get to very soon. But I was gazing up at all the empty seats of the 500 level where I usually sit. The entire upper deck was cordoned off due to the coronavirus. No one was there even as the Goodyear blimp floated above. The few fans that were allowed in were able to attend under a special lottery for season ticket holders, and we were all confined to the lower bowl. But even there, the space between what they called fan pods of two, four, or six people was far and wide. The usual strong Steelers support put on display for decades every game day was reduced to a sad shadow of itself. This pathetically weak facsimile of the potent power of Pittsburgh fandom was depressing, really. I mean, that's the bottom line. It was sad. Of course, we felt lucky to attend. And those lucky enough to be there, we savored every second of the Steelers' 
to seven domination of those bow wow Browns. That was the one normal element in all of this. Even in a season when those dogs from Cleveland and those pound bound fans were barking about having the best team in decades, we took care of business. What floats in Cleveland gets flushed in Pittsburgh. And so it was with those same old Browns on Sunday. So in a sense, there was a return to normal. Just getting back into the stadium and seeing a pro football game again was refreshing. Getting that big win over Cleveland, hey, that was a bonus, uplifting. Those parts felt particularly good. And there were some creature comforts to so few fans. Concession stands barely had any weight at all. Beer slogs at Steelers game became beer runs, even beer sprints. And with more beer, there are more trips to the restroom, but there was no need to burden one's bladder. The bathrooms lacked any lines at all. It was nice having a little leg room and elbow room in the seats, too. And since no one was in our row, there was no squeezing through to get in and out. But those advantages were minor compared to the emotional blow of seeing Steelers Nation reduced to a mere committee. One stadium banner proudly pronounced the usual Pittsburgh presence here as the Yinzer mob. Yet this gangly gathering couldn't get itself arrested for illegal assembly. There were too few of us. Still, we made the most of it. We shouted our heads off for the Steelers. In fact, I'm still a little hoarse, as you can hear. And of course, I do it all over again in a heartbeat should my number come up in that season ticket lottery for home games in November. But deep down, I really don't want to see another Steelers game without that communion, without that connection, that energy that only a combination of 65,000 plus Yinzers and their cacophony of Pittsburgh accented voices can provide. That sound, that energy, it's nothing short of thunder. And when it strikes, the feeling is absolutely electric. The Pittsburgh players feel the charge and they thrive at Heinz Field. But the fans in the stands, they feel it too. It's why we leave our big screen, high definition TVs and the comfortable surroundings of our couches For the many hassles and expenses of attending Steeler games, we go because that energy, that charge, can be found nowhere else. And it can't be replicated by curated fan noise that they put on TV. There are no acceptable facsimiles. When it comes to Steelers Nation, I and the rest of us, Yinzers, will accept no substitutes. The only real and full Yinzer mob will do. I just wonder how long it will be until I hear that collection of voices shouting out in unison. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. We got to put the we back in this. Because right now, that we is missing. And it's a big hole. There is a long, proud Pittsburgh tradition of attending Steelers games. But right now, it's just not the same. But what isn't missing and what has been the same this season is the Steelers' balance. They've produced five wins and a big showdown this Sunday looms in Music City, Tennessee. The Steelers now stand with the Tennessee Titans, their next opponent, as the only undefeated teams in the AFC. 
but they have two big games coming up. And some critics say they haven't proven anything yet, but they will over the next two weeks. First, it's those Titans in a game rescheduled due to that team's COVID-19 outbreak. Meanwhile, arch-rival Ravens are enjoying a bye week down in Baltimore. No doubt they're using the time to rest up, get healthy, and plot strategy to beat the Steelers when they visit Baltimore on November 1st. The Steelers were supposed to have the same bye week, so the teams would be on equal footing. But the NFL scheduling fairness is another casualty of the coronavirus, and it will certainly be a big disadvantage for the Steelers down in Baltimore. Hey, but I still like this team, this Steelers team, for many reasons. And I like it despite the huge blow of losing star linebacker Devin Bush for the season in that Browns win. And I give you all those reasons as I survey all the best takes and analysis from across Steelers Nation right now, right here in the Steelers Update Podcast from Penn Live. So let's get right to it. First, the setup. Just how legit is the Steelers 5-0 record? And how absolutely huge is this two-game gauntlet coming up? Well, Tim Benz with Trib Live captures the correct dimensions of the state of the Steelers at this precarious and oh-so-pivotal point of the season. He writes this, quote, Credit the Steelers for winning the games they needed to win. Thus far, five wins and five tries. Four against under 500 teams and four at home at Heinz Field. In short, the Steelers did what they had to do, at least according to Benz. But now it gets real, and it gets real, real fast. Ben continues writing, quote, These next two games against elite intra-conference competition are swing games. These are the separators between the Steelers being near the top of the three-team wildcard heap or replicating a 2004-esque run to home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Tennessee, while vulnerable on defense, has the highest scoring offense in football, the best running back in the game in Derrick Henry, and a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that has the third best passer reading in the NFL. That's at 113.5, and that's better than the likes of Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. Then comes the Ravens, who are resting comfortably in their Baltimore nest this week. Writes Benz, quote, One of the angles to the Steelers-Titans postponement that agitated Pittsburgh football fans is that the reshuffling of the schedules meant the Baltimore Ravens would get a bye the week before they hosted the Steelers. And that is a big rub. As they rest up, the Steelers' defense is going to spend all week trying to tackle Derrick Henry and chasing around the rest of the Tennessee Titans' high-scoring offense. It ranks as second in the league at 32.8 points per game, as Ben writes. One of the players who will benefit from the time off is Ravens running back Mark Ingram, who's nursing a mid-to-high ankle sprain that isn't considered severe. In fact, Coach John Harbaugh said Ingram probably will be back November 1st against Pittsburgh. Unquote. I say there's no probably about it. He will be back. The Ravens will be ready for the Steelers, and they will be rested up. 
A big key to the Steelers' success thus far has been stopping the run. But without linebacker Devin Bush, can they corral the wrecking ball running back Derrick Henry, who beats up opposing defenses with his six foot three inch, 247 pound physique and his four five speed? This question looms above all in Nashville. Coach Mike Tomlin is sure taking notice, saying this of Henry, as quoted by Trib Live quote, This is like Bud Dupree running the football, said referring to his Steelers linebacker who's 6'4 and 267 pounds. Quote, this guy gets into your secondary. It's like trying to tackle a guy like Bud, except he's faster, obviously, than Bud. You can see defensive backs having an issue with that. Hopefully, we can minimize the amount of time our guys get in those circumstances, and hopefully, when our guys are in those circumstances, they do what they have to do, unquote. All from the coach, talking about Derrick Henry. Now, Joe Rutter, writing for Trib Live, says the key to doing what Tomlin just described will be, quote, stopping Henry at the point of attack. But that puts an emphasis on defensive linemen Cameron Hayward, Tyson Alualua, and Stephon Tuitt to control the line of scrimmage. And for the linebackers, Vince Williams and new starter Robert Spillane, filling in for the aforementioned Bush, who has been lost for the season to, quote, plug the gaps. This will be a game-long battle, and Tomlin knows it, said the coach, quote, Regardless of how the game is going, you better be prepared to answer that element of the challenge over the course of the game. He, meaning Henry, quote, wears you down. He's capable and they're capable of winning by attrition, unquote. Man, it sounds like a war and it's going to be a war in the running game and stopping it. And it's going to be two heavyweights squaring off in Nashville. Again, stepping into that key position, middle linebacker in place of Bush, is Robert Spillane. He's the next man up, as Tomlin loves to say. But Spillane went undrafted and was originally signed and released by the Tennessee Titans. He gets his next chance with the Steelers, but ever since he's worked hard, gaining the respect and trust of teammates and coaches on the Steelers. And the first proof of this was Spillane successfully stepping in after Bush went down against the Browns. But the question remains, is Spillane really an NFL starter? Hey, I'm not sure even Mike Tomlin knows, but we all will know soon when the action starts down in Tennessee. This is a major concern and a situation to watch and monitor closely throughout the game. Here's how Joe Rudder with Trib Live sums up the huge challenge Spillane is facing. Quote, Spillane can't do most things well as Bush. Otherwise, he would not have gone undrafted in 2018. He had to climb the NFL ladder as a rookie tryout at camp, and he held a roster spot based on his special teams play. But the six foot one, 229 pound Spillane 
more than capably filled in at inside linebacker after Bush's injury with two minutes, 28 seconds before halftime in that Steelers 38-7 victory over the Browns. Playing a career-high 30 defensive snaps, Spillane had just nine snaps entering that game. He contributed five tackles and an impressive six-yard tackle for a loss on a pass to the Browns' tight end, Austin Hooper. Moreover, when Spillane replaced Bush, he not only took his spot in the middle of the defense, he wore the green dot in his helmet that goes to the defensive player who is relaying the calls from the sidelines to the other players. Bush wore that dot playing every snap this year until his injury. Now, Spillane likely will wear that dot Sunday in Tennessee. As for Spillane himself, he said this, quote, I'll do everything I can to cover the best I can, meaning covering for Bush. Quote, I will play run defense, blitz, be a three-down linebacker. I'm confident whoever I'm lined up across, I'll cover them. I believe in myself strongly, unquote. And Spillane likes being that defensive signal caller. He added this about that crucial role. Quote, for me, it's comfortable. I like speaking to my teammates during and pre-snaps. I've gotten so comfortable with these guys over the past two years, it really feels awesome. As soon as I stepped on the field, I felt like my teammates trusted me and respected the work I put in these last two years. They told me, quote, Rob, you belong out here. This is what you're meant to do. So go out there and show everybody what we know you can do, unquote. That is the best thing you can hear from any teammate. And right now, Spillane has that support, but we shall see if he can live up to it. Hey, and despite this big, huge defensive concern heading into Tennessee, the loss of Devin Bush, the Steelers' strong 5-0 start has football pickers from across the nation sitting up and taking notice. Tim Benz with Trib Lives rounds up a sampling of the growing Steelers' support. He writes this, quote, NFL.com has the Steelers number two in its power rankings behind only the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. They are one spot in front of Tennessee, two in front of Baltimore, and three in front of the 5-0 Seattle Seahawks. ProFootballTalk.com also has them third behind only Seattle and the Titans. Ex-Steeler turned ESPN analyst Ryan Clark said this about his former team, quote, if this defense plays the way with Chase Claypool now as the number one receiving option on offense, this team may be unbeatable, unquote. Wow. And odds sharp made the Steelers a slight favored one point now up to two points in the game against Tennessee this week. With or without fans in the stands, how often do you see an unbeaten team, meaning Tennessee, open as a home underdog? Now, that's a good question posed by Tim Benz. You don't see it very often. But the question is, would you put money on it, Steelers Nation? Do you feel that confident in this team? Your team has just been installed as a favorite in honky-tonk town. But will the hype surrounding the Steelers turn into a sad country music song where everything goes wrong? This Sunday and next Sunday will tell the tale.
And of course, we'll be covering it all right here on your Steelers Update podcast from Penn Live. So download it and sign up wherever you get your favorite podcast. And of course, log on to PennLive.com anytime for your real-time Steelers news. And go Steelers.